Welcome to another episode of the bonus series of the Geared for Growth Property Investing Podcast. We at MCG are passionate about taking the mystery out of property investment, and this podcast is designed for anybody interested in investing, whether you're looking to buy your first property or you're a veteran investor with multiple properties to your name. My guest this week is no ordinary financial planner. Unlike others in his field, Andrew Courtney is a firm believer in the power of property to expedite your financial success journey. While it may not pay him the big commissions that insurance and investing in shares might, he works hard to ensure his clients have a balanced approach to their portfolios. Now, you might think financial planning is a pretty dry topic, but what if I told you Andrew sets up his clients so they only need to spend a total of 10 hours per year on their finances? That's got to be worth a small investment of your time. In this episode, Andrew explains why many financial planners favor shares over property and why he believes paying down your mortgage may cause you to miss out on some wealth building opportunities. As strategic financial advisor and wealth strategist at Plentitude, Andrew was well placed to shed some light on how we should be focusing our energy when it comes to getting the most out of our finances. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Andrew Courtney, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Happy to be here, Mike. Now, for anyone that hasn't come across you before, Andrew, you are a financial planner. Now, already I'm hearing some booze because this is a property podcast and what we normally hear from financial planners is let's get your insurances sorted out, let's get you some sort of share portfolio and kick you out the door and invoice you and we'll see you in 12 months. Now, you're a little bit different. Would you like to explain? Well, I mean, maybe you're not. You up to you to tell me. Would you like well, to explain? Got, yeah, yeah. I am a little bit different and a little bit of the same too, right? So so I cover I cover the financial planning basics and the fundamentals, but I also don't ignore the property piece, right? So so ultimately, as you're well aware, the, the property game is all about finance and making sure that you have a, a solid strategy to keep your borrowing capacity that major resource that everyone seems to ignore in the financial planning space, right? The major resource that we all have. And if you can use that to your advantage within that five or 10 or 15 or 20 year period where the window is open, the window opportunity is open, you can build something substantial. So what I do is I help my clients with a financial planning, with a mortgage broking and a buyer's agency as well, if they choose to acquire property with, with our services, essentially, because a lot of people tend to get stuck on the execution side, mm. you know, so they get, they get all excited about the theory, but when it comes to the practice, it becomes uh, quite difficult. So I try and bring it all together. And the aim is to build an accounting practice as well so that we can actually, well, our main goal is for our clients to only spend 10 hours a year looking at their finances. So yeah, to wow. report report like madmen, if they want to refinance, they click a button and we'll make it all happen for them. That's that's the end target. I keep telling my team about that. So we're building towards uh, that kind of lofty target. So we'll see how we go, mate. That would be amazing. And, and we're talking about potentially, you know, 10 hours from a multi multi-portfolio perspective, right? So that's the whole investment of, of time. I mean, with the, the financial planning model, what, why is sort of property just something that doesn't seem to fit into your, your typical financial planning consultation? Well, look, it's because it's unregulated. Right. Right? And I mean, if you cut the long story short, mate, because it's unregulated, you can't get paid as a financial planner with uh, property, right? So that's really what it comes down to. When I was going through my uh, my studies, I was wondering where the hell's the property piece, you know? Yeah. I went through Master of Commerce majoring in Applied Finance and transitioned and did the, the diplomas of, of uh, financial planning. And I was like, what? where is the residential property piece? Mm. Nor commercial or anything to do with property. I mean, A-REITs was covered, but nothing else. So really, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. They don't get paid. 
is is the main reason that I, yeah. <laughs> I I've come up with. Obviously, there's bias against not getting paid. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. The, those chappies wrote a really good Freakonomics book, you know, about incentives, right? And if there's nothing mm. in it for someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that it that it's bad. But you just you're trying to build a business. You focus on what you can advise on, and you know, yeah. everyone's got to pay the bills, sort of thing. What yeah. What about you and and property? Obviously, you're a fairly well credentialed uh, you know, academic chappie with a science background and commerce background. When did property start becoming of personal interest to you and investing? Look, mate, I. I I was uh, 23 at the time and my girlfriend was antsy about living at home with my parents. <laughs> so uh, she basically uh, twisted my arm into buying that first, buying our first one bedroom apartment in Buds Beach and Surfers Paradise, basically. Buds um, Beach. I was there yesterday, as it turns out, for Bumbles? breakfast. <laughs> Bumbles, yes, Lovely. with the swans. Yeah, I love that spot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we, we, we were pretty much one street away from Bumbles, right? So that was why I got in. And then I started reading books. So I'm a curious, obsessive um, by nature. And uh, I started, so I was in science at the time, started reading books and, and my best strategy at the time was bloody put in a thousand bucks in the mortgage and save two bucks per week. Right. Happy days, right? So that was <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I was going hard. <laughs> and then I started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all the, all the rest of the wealth creation books, started attending webinars and seminars and that kind of stuff. And then got my mind blown by the idea of leverage and yes. the idea of building wealth through cash on cash return, like with leverage return. Yeah. essentially with property. So I started projecting out the next 15, 20 years and I thought, crap, I'm going to be a billionaire in no time here. <laughs> I was I was obviously projecting out a 12% per annum year on year for my whole property portfolio thinking I'm going to buy one every single year, not knowing anything about how to actually finance things. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to walk up to the bank teller and uh, tell them this is what I want and uh, this is how I'm going to do it and uh, they'll they'll write me a check pretty much. So uh, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> but, but Mr. Courtney, that's not going to... Yeah, but look at my Excel at 12%. <laughs> You know, you guys would be crazy. Not, I'll be your biggest client in three yeah. years. You better be nice to me. Yeah, yeah. I could make or break you, sweetheart. Now, you mentioned before that it's a finance game, right? And at the end of the day, you've got a certain amount of capacity that you can utilize for the game of your financial future, whatever that sort of goal and that target looks like for you. One thing that we've talked about in the past off was that leveraging piece, right? So, um, yes, you can borrow money to invest in shares, but it's different to property. What makes leveraging much more attractive in the property space? Yeah, well, the, the biggest difference is the margin call, right? So in, in the property space, providing that you keep paying the repayments, right, the banks will never call a loan in. Yep. Right. We'll, we'll never force to sell your property. Whereas in the share space, right, if you if you leverage up too much and the market takes a bit of a hit, well, the bank's going to give you a call and say, well, we need more collateral. Yeah. Right. So imagine if you bought a four hundred thousand dollar property, you put in twenty percent down, and the market drops by twenty percent, and then the banks give you a call and, and they say, "I need eighty k in the bank asap, otherwise we're selling it today." Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's a scary phone call to make, right? To to get, I should say. So that's why I tend to steer clear from uh, leveraging up in the share market because it's a, a strategy where you can lose your shirt. And, yeah. And I'm I'm inclined to play the game and stay in the game for the long term rather than risk it all, basically. When you share that example in property, I mean, it, it just sounds absurd, right? But it obviously exists in the stock market. Why does it exist with shares compared to property? Is it is it due to sort of the liquidity? Like property can't really crash that much because at the end of the day, it's providing a roof over somebody's head? Yeah, well... Uh- there's that. There's that. Absolutely. And also, if you look at it from a perspective of what does the government want, right? 
And the government wants to protect its citizens. And obviously, property plays a crucial role in that because obviously shelter is one of the key needs that we that we have, right? So mm. they need to ensure that that's working well, right? So first and foremost, you can't just go off and sell someone's house because the market's dropped down and, and the valuation doesn't quite stack up, yeah. right? So the first thing there is it's protected. It's more protected than shares because the liquidity in shares allows... I guess, big corporations to kind of push the mums and dads around if they put themselves in a position to be pushed. Yes. So does that sort of answer the question? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And I think it'd probably be bad publicity for the big four kicking someone out because, you know, the market has dropped a little bit. And one thing that I've noticed with messing around with shares is there's a lot of murky stuff that happens that I don't understand, like bots, for example. The bots don't really seem to have a place in real estate apart from, you know, algorithms and AI and spotting and that sort of stuff but i mean how does a mum and dad negotiate when these these sort of shares are manipulated by these institutional players that have got access to this sort of tech yeah well all, all they can do is this hope fingers crossed and hope you know good luck i mean some people get lucky like in the end of the day if ten thousand people invest and start trading and they think they know what they're doing Mm. there's always going to be one outlier that's going to smash it out of the ballpark Mm, right yeah suddenly they become the expert and they become they have the limelight on them but the fact of the matter is it could all be based on luck you know because if ten thousand people flip a coin there's going to be at least one of them that gets 30 in a row yeah. You know what I'm saying? So really that's that's a thing and, and unfortunately people believe their own hype and they don't realize the luck factor. It's hard for the ego, isn't it? Like here I am, I've built a 100 million dollar portfolio. My secret, well, luck. <laughs> the Give for Growth Property Investing podcast is presented by our business MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. And and obviously there's survivorship biases as well. And, and, and ultimately what typically happens is the people who get lucky tend to spend some of their resources towards the right people as well. So they get even luckier so mm. if they're smart with it they can get luckier and then diminish the the amount of luck involved in in the in the equation too right so it's not all luck but in the <laughs> end there is a large amount of luck in there too how yeah. do we game the system to be as lucky as we can you know it's like the old ad- adage the harder i work the luckier i get how hard and smart can we work towards building a portfolio to increase our percentage of luck look i think it comes down to resource allocation right mm-hmm. so so understand what resources you have available to you and really control what you can control because right? a lot of people unfortunately aren't even aware of what's available to them right and they're freaking out about things that they can't control like the rates for example or what's going on in the ukraine or whatever the hell's going on in the us for example right so constantly thinking about things that they can't control is not going to help anyone right so have a look at what you can control look at your budget look at your surplus look at your superannuation look at your property portfolio do you have any lazy equity are you willing to take a risk and take a calculated bet right to invest in your future right so that you can actually work out well what's the best vehicle to put your money into put your capital into to get the best return on investment that you're happy with Mm. right 
The problem is vast majority of Aussies aren't aware of these options, yeah. right? So they get stuck and then they listen to the taxi driver or the well-meaning friend who's basically following the status quo. Yeah, yeah. or even worse, the media. That's another show. Explain to us what typical resources we would have at our, our disposal. What do you mean by the term resources? Yeah, well, look, time. Time, your attention, your focus. That's the biggest resource we have, mm-hmm. right? So what I suggest people do is always audit what they're doing with their time. Right, because if you've got time in your hands, and let's, let's say you don't have any any kids yet, you've got a lot of time in your hands. So, are you going to invest in yourself? Are you going to learn a few things? Because if you don't, well, guess what? You're going to have to pay for that in dollars yes. in the future. Yeah. So, time is the big one, obviously dollars, right? That's And then your energy. you got to make sure you conserve your energy. Those are the key things. And then you look at your life and you look at, obviously, your asset, your portfolio, right? And then you look at the people around you. Can you actually leverage their skill sets, right? There's this particular psychological concept that I came across two months ago called the zone of proximal development, where each and every one of us can create an output this much, basically. And most people's goals is like out here, right? So you need to expand your output. And to expand your output, you need to invest your resources accordingly, right? You need to maximize your time. You need to play with the right people in your team, right? To actually get you there a hell of a lot faster to increase the output that you've got. Mm. Because you're going to be stuck with what you have if you keep doing what you've done, right? So you've got to change something. Yeah. And when it comes to, say, the dollars, the financial resources we have, are we talking about things like our salary and earning potential, which is not necessarily static? Are we talking about our super balances, our equity, and maybe our PPOR? What are we talking about there? Yeah. Well, you got to you got to factor in everything, mate. Because um, if you factor in everything, what happens? You start to understand the sequence of events you need to you need to set out for yourself, or some milestones you need to put in front of you to actually achieve the end target. So if you only factor one thing in, well, guess what? You're missing out on all the other things. And what else could you be doing with the other things? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So so within the property context, absolutely, I'd be looking at the equity. Like you have to, but don't look at it and pull out as much equity as possible because it might kneecap your second property acquisition in one or two years time, right? right? Because it might be able to get you into the property market uh, for your next investment property. But what if you want to build multiple properties in your portfolio? Mm. I've got a client at the moment who's looking to pull out 500 grand and I'm just about to challenge her on that of of equity in in two of her properties. I'm just about to challenge her and say, well, why do you need 500 grand for? Right, Because that's going to slow down your borrowing capacity to allow you to build your portfolio. 500 grand is way too much, right? So in the end, I'm inclined to think 250 is more than enough for her to acquire two properties and then leapfrog in a couple of years' time again. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, interesting. That's the strategy. I mean, I wonder I wonder what she's got planned. That'll be an interesting conversation. Maybe we'll have to come back to you on that one. <laughs> when it comes to the strategy and the goal setting, typically when people come to you, do they have an idea like, I want to have $5 million when I'm retired or I want to have 120 grand a year year to live on or do they just kind of go I think I'm not really doing anything and I'm worried about the future yeah that the, the latter mate right they, they don't they haven't really thought about it that much and when they come to me I sh- start sharing these these thoughts with them I typically share a goal a stretch goal a big hairy audacious goal in terms of the income that they want yep. at financial freedom stage I don't really like using the word retirement because it tends to be attached to a a 60, 65 year old individual, yeah. I'm inclined to think, well, you can get there a hell of a lot faster if you're smart with your money. Yeah. Right. So in the end, I, I start to, to kind of talk to them about the financial concept of building capital to create an income for themselves, capital being your net asset position. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're both intertwined. So what I do is I set six targets. I call it the arrive, strive, thrive numbers. Right. So what I always say, well, set a income goal that you would be happy with. And some people go with their yearly expenses as the start of the range. And then the top of the range can be their gross income, right? 
So that's the initial income goal. And you multiply that by 20, and that's a very conservative way of building towards the capital that you need. So 100 grand yep. of income that you need, you need two mil on the back end. Yeah. Right? Okay. And then for their stretch goal, they usually add another 50 or 100 grand, depending on how ambitious they are. Yep. So 150, three mil. Yep. 200, four mil. Now they have got that two mil, three mil, four mil goal. Then the question is, well, where are they starting at? They're at 500 grand. Well, how the hell are they going to get to, how are they going to bridge that gap? Yes. Right? Yeah. And then, and then I start talking about the different kinds of strategies to ensure that they're saving more, they're lowering their taxes and investing a hell of a lot better so that they don't have any lazy money floating around getting them 1.1%, mm. right? Or the 0.1% is the worst case scenario, obviously, because it's going backwards with inflation. Or a lot of people who are just obsessed with paying down their mortgage, not realizing the opportunity cost of not investing somewhere else, essentially. Yeah, yeah but I mean, our <clears throat> parents' generation were, you know, coveting the white picket fence unencumbered. You know, borrowing money was a terrible sort of thing that kept you up nights in a in a cold sweat. You know, paying down the mortgage is good because it, you know, it'll cost you less each month and you'll feel a little bit more secure. But when it comes to that opportunity, let's say if you want to take out hundred grand of equity if you've got that in your property, now you're going to be paying X amount of interest. But to argue the point that that is the worst strategy, you're arguing against what could be done with leveraging that hundred grand at a certain rate of return. I mean, you strike me as the sort of person who's already done these sort of calculations and these numbers a million times. Like, is there ever an argument where the first sort of philosophy of just paying down the home is, is going to do better than what you can do with it elsewhere? Look, the, the only argument that allows me to sort of back down is if they feel so badly about debt yep. that it cripples them, yeah, basically, yeah. because it's a psychological issue. I was going to say you should invest the money in a psychologist and try and get past it. Well, that's it. That's it. And, and I play I play psychologist sometimes when it comes to these things. And I, and I talk about I talk about what society tells them. I talk about what their parents tell them. I talk about their financial story. Right. And I start to kind of work it out, show them what the logic, you know, does logic actually prevail for this for this individual, for this couple? If it doesn't, it's going to be really hard to bring them across because ultimately, as you mentioned before, you've got your cost of capital and the difference between your cost of capital and the return on investment will determine how much wealth you end up building for yourself if you invest rather than paying it down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I have these conversations. I draw it all out for them so that they can sort of follow the bouncing ball. And if they have that epiphany moment, that light bulb moment, happy days, right? yeah. we move forward. Yep. If not, well, all well and good. We just stick stick to the program. They probably won't want to work with me because in the end, it's where I'm too too much of an aggressive investor in their eyes yep. because it doesn't quite make sense with their paradigm. Yeah. And do you feel sort of like an obligation, almost like a Hippocratic oath to draw it out for them and say, look, this is what is achievable and there's no pressure on my end because you have to be comfortable with the risk, but sometimes you just got to shake people? Every time, mate. Every time. <laughs> right. Because if, if, you don't, if you don't shake people, they're going to be stuck with the, with the results that they getting yeah in the end of the day they're they're talking to you for a reason yes so it's really time to make that make that change in their life because if you're not gonna if i'm not gonna do it well who else is you know what i'm saying what if they never talk to any uh, a professional again? Yeah. Like what happens then? So that's as far as I'm concerned, it's my responsibility to try and get as many people over the line that they may not work with me. That's, that's fine. So long as I, I plant a seed to get them to think a little bit more, how can I make it better? Yeah. Suddenly that's my job done, essentially. Well, well hopefully listening to this podcast, they're having that Dr. Phil, this is going to be a change in your life moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we've already sort of gone over uh, the budget for, for this, this interview, but I'd love to have you back 
back another time, Andrew, because there's there's so much in that uh, brain of yours that I want to tease out. But if there are, say, one or two, three things that you could impart from anyone listening to this that's kind of thinking, yeah, I'm not terribly happy with, with where I'm at and I'm a little bit lost as to what the next steps are, can you give us some some ideas or some tips? Well, first thing it would be to audit, audit what you're doing yep. with your attention, right? So do that, work out where is your energy heading towards, you know, because if you're wasting your time, well, well, maybe that's the first step. Maybe, maybe you should be biting off more than you can chew somewhere else where you can start to kind of throw yourself in the deep end, mm. you know, and, and learn a little bit more, right? If it's too hard, I suggest you start looking at, well, what team do you have around you? Is your accountant working for you? Is your mortgage broking, broker working for you? Are they proactive in their approach? Are your friends and family talking to you about money, mm. right? Actually, setting some targets for yourself and are you actually comparing yourself against your previous self, right? Because most people start comparing themselves against the, the Joneses yeah. and they've got no hope of catching up because guess what? You've got Elon Musk ahead of you. Yeah. Good luck trying to catch up with him. Yeah, <laughs> even, him, even right? Jeff Bezos is struggling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It never stops, right? So compare yourself against your previous self and ask yourself, well, have I done better? Mm. And then ask the most beautiful question of all, how can I make it better each and every time, right? Every quarter or every year, depending on how ambitious you are, right? Ask yourself, how can you get better each and every day? Happy days and you'll get there eventually. That's awesome. Uh, and what an uplifting way to finish because I'm sure that there are a lot of frustrated people listening just kind of thinking, you know, I, I, I want to hit that next level, but I'm just not exactly sure where to start. So thank you very much, Andrew, for your wisdom today and uh, and that guidance and, and, and your understanding as well for some of the people that are a little bit stuck. We really appreciate it. No worries, mate. Happy to be here. And any anytime you want me back, I will happily spend the time with you and talk some more stuff. Awesome. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Good on you, Mike. Chat Thanks, soon, Mike. mate. Cheers.